and salam. Welcome to The Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking nonprofit digital newspaper which champions civic engagement. AMT informs and empowers that the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the U.S. and other Western countries. I'm your producer and host, Maya Gaylor, and today we have an interview with Lanisa Kitchener, the head of the African and Middle Eastern Division at the Library of Congress, about their recent $2.5 million grant from the Lilly Endowment to expand their exhibit that features Islamic culture and figures. Ms. Kitchener explains why it is important to provide the public with an opportunity to learn about diverse history. Um, the Library of Congress is invested in the human story across time and space. Um, and as we know, um, you know, when we're talking about Africa, when we are talking about the Middle East, this is the birthplace of humanity. Um, it is the origin of human civilization as we know it. It is the origin of Abrahamic faiths as we know them. And religion has in, in particular been such a critical motivator for human behavior. For many, it helps to provide a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of connection, a sense of community. For many, it is not only a way of life, it is the purpose of life. So in our effort to better understand the human story, we have endeavored to look even more critically at world religions and their impact on the societies represented in the African and Middle Eastern division of the library. Um, and then, <clears throat> so the exhibit features, as you mentioned, the Abrahamic religions. Um, so why is it crucial for, you know, now our culture as a society, um, especially in America, you know, we're, we're very, um, Christian based, you know, culture, um, so why why is it important to recognize the history of these, you know, very similar religions in order to come to a common understanding today? I think it has always been uh, critical to understand what connects us across time, space, culture. Um, we're in a moment now where there's opportunity through um, digital technology, through online formats to connect even more quickly um, with each other in real time to sort of better understand our unique positions, our ways of entering, you know, the worlds and the spaces that we we occupy. And so, you know, really the 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 um funds that we received from the Lilly Endowment help us to do some of that connective work, that connecting work that is so critical to understanding what unites us, but also what makes us distinct. Um, I see this as a very extraordinary, exciting time to delve deeper again into, into the human story. Yeah, and so how do you hope that people will literally interact with this exhibit? Yeah, it's important to note that the program, the activity is a series of, includes a series of outputs. Um, we have already launched an online um, uh, exhibition, a story map demonstrating prayer traditions throughout Africa and the Middle East that has been extraordinarily successful um, in, in terms of its reach, impact, and influence. 
um, you know, we've received commentary that it is comprehensive, it is informative, and one where there was confusion about perhaps the connection between Armenian pray, uh, prayer traditions and, you know, West African prayer traditions through this particular story map, um, you know, viewers and, and um, colleagues who have engaged the material now have a way to, to again, bridge what may have once been perceived as um, uh, something of a divide. So the, off the cusp, you know, just based upon what we've already done, the idea is for, you know, viewers and participants to our programmatic outputs to see themselves reflected in the collections of the library, to have the subject matter expertise of the library expanded by input from the communities that are represented in our collections. We know a lot, but we don't know it all. Uh, and so to have that kind of engagement and that dialogue is critical to us. We also feel a very strong responsibility within the division to share in the meaning making process. You know, we collect um, foreign language materials so that if you don't speak Armenian, if you are not versed in Amharic, if you don't speak Arabic, perhaps there is an inability to access the material. But through these programs, we hope to translate the beauty, the richness, the diversity of the cultures represent, the religious cultures represented in our collection so that everybody everywhere um, can understand them in one way or another. Right. Um, I guess, can you tell me more about like how important it is or, you know, maybe the specifics of what that community engagement look like looks like? You know, why is it so important to engage these specific communities that are living here in America? You know, they want to, you know, from other places, we want to feature everyone here because we're a melting pot type culture. So, you know, like what, how important is that input? Yeah, it's critical. It's vital. Um, you know, we are in a moment again where, you know, the human story is a constantly evolving story. Um, when you are looking at, you know, Hebrew manuscripts, for example, or if you're looking at Islamic manuscripts, Ethiopic um, manuscripts, you know, some of this material is, is you know, it's you know, it's dating back to the 16th century and prior. We have materials of, um, you know, religious value and significance um, that are represented in, you know, in, in our incunabula, you know, that are represented on tablets. It, when you start to think about how long the human story has been in development, and also how quickly it is evolving as a result of, you know, just the changing nature of our societies, technology being but one um, uh, motivating force. Um, it is imperative that we can begin to see our sense of connectedness. It is imperative that we begin to um, appreciate that even in this very moment, although there may be so much that distinguishes us from, whether, from one another, the languages we speak, the color of our skin, uh, the colors of our skin, uh, our hair textures, our religious identities. I mean, there's so, 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 so much that could serve as a distancing, um, uh, uh, you know, sort of way of moving through the world. You know, we're in the African and Middle Eastern division recognizing that there is 
you know, to to play on a cliche here, far more that unites us than 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 that divides us. So this is why it's important. Um, we're also, you know, it's lost, not lost on me. We're also in a moment where, um, you know, there is increasing societal discord. It's not unique to the United States. It's around the global community. Uh, and it's also not lost on us in the division that some of the most uh, egregious activities um, in the course of humanity have also been conducted uh, alongside a sort of religious imperative or the interpretation of a religious imperative. Religion in so many ways uh, helps to shape and inform the human experience in ways that is deserving of deeper uh, and more critical uh, analysis and understanding. Um, and then how else does the Library of Congress um, recognize Islamic history? Oh, my goodness. We, in fact, our largest collection in the African and Middle Eastern uh, division is our collection um, attributed to broadly the Arab world, which isn't always immediately the same as the Islamic world. There are distinctions there, but Islamic materials comprise um, the vast majority of our uh, Near East uh, materials in the African and Middle Eastern division. We are constantly acquiring new materials, providing reference services to researchers who are coming up with their own original ideas about Islamic history and culture. Um, we are mounting exhibitions about uh, exhibitions, small scale exhibitions of our materials uh, so that individuals who are in our reading room can engage with our interpretations of the collections. Um, we are uh, in, in ready conversation and dialogue through conferences, lectures, and symposia in the field, uh, in scholarly associations, and in community meetings. Um, we are we are in the process of constantly acquiring material, but also constantly acquiring knowledge about Islamic art, history, and culture. Um, partly from the books, but also from the lived experiences. It is a dynamic process of engagement and understanding that enables us to feel compelled to share, but also compelled to receive. Right. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about what these materials are? You know, um, what do they specifically say or look like? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, I can tell you from the onset, one that has one of the items in our collection, uh, one of the collections, in, one of the collections in our broad collection, we have more than 1 million items in the African and Middle Eastern division and more than 170 million throughout the library. Uh, but we have an extraordinary collection of Qurans, uh, Qurans in different uh, languages. Um, we have an extraordinary uh, collection that is near and dear to my heart, which is the Omar Ibn Said collection, which uh, is um, something of a focus of the funds that we received from the Lilly Endowment in terms of programmatic output. Uh, Omar Ibn Said um, was this remarkable individual who was born in uh, Senegal, West Africa, uh, in the Futa Toro region. And he was uh, taken and put into slavery, uh, made it through the Middle Passage and landed in South Carolina um, in 1807, where he was sold at auction into slavery in the United States. And um, 
he initially was at the hand of a, a slave master who was very cruel and unkind. And he escaped from that individual to arrive in North Carolina, where he was discovered um, in a, 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 you know, in the equivalent of a church, um, in a church. Uh, and he was then imprisoned. And while in prison, he, he wrote on the prison walls in Arabic, which made him a remarkable figure at the time, a mar- remarkable figure of curiosity. Because you have to keep in mind, we're talking about the ante- antebellum America, we're talking about the South, uh, Islamic identity is not uh, prevalent at this particular moment in history. Uh, and so Omar ibn Said becomes sort of absconded at one point as this Arabian prince, as this um, extraordinary scholar. And the news uh, articles at the time um, really sort of demonstrate American understanding and American misunderstanding about Islamic culture, heritage, history, identity. And so Omar ibn Said becomes this, this sort of figure in in, in my frame of thinking that forces America to wrestle with its long engagement with Islam from the onset of its founding as a nation through its development through to today. I mean, there is still this this, this tension that has to be negotiated uh, in American society as it relates to um, many cultures and, and, and many histories that have been uh, 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 overlooked. And so, um, you know, Omar Ibn Said uh, in our collection um, has produced what is known as the only extant uh, autobiography written by an enslaved um, uh, African uh, person in Arabic. And he opens this autobiography with a surah from the Quran. He is very clearly establishing his identity as a Muslim man in America at a pivotal point in its history. I've singled him out as, as, as one, or his collection in our library as one really, really um uh, interesting uh, 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 collection uh, because again it it challenges us to wrestle with the American story as we know it with what's included in that story with what's omitted from that story at the same time as it challenges us to recognize Islam as a powerful global religion with reach and impact and significance in every facet of our lives including here in America. Um, <clears throat> yes, that's a very good point. And you saying that or makes me think of, um, I don't know how much you would, you know, I mean, you probably might know a lot about this, but, um, just, you know, Omar's story, but then also looking at the entire, you know, like slave trade, um, thinking about a lot of those slaves most likely would have been Muslim maybe. So, Again, like you were saying, you know, Islam has been in America for a lot longer than we think, right? We've had that in our in our society for a lot longer. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's very interesting. It's a good point. Um, I think it's, if I may, um, just share that, you know, um, when we think about somebody like Omar ibn Said, and we're, we're thinking about 
Islam in this context. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are multiple points of, of engagement, encounter, and transaction here. I mean, here is a man in West Africa who is, um, you know, of a society that would have had its own indigenous practice. Yeah. And throughout the course of history, there is this sort of Islamic presence pouring into West Africa and really having a powerful impact on African society uh, and expanding it to include embrace of Islamic tradition. So there's the the influx of Islam into Africa. And then by turn, through the transatlantic slave trade and other means, the influx of Islamic practice in the United States. So when we start thinking about global history and what connects us, the idea of sort of keeping Islam in a box, you know, sort of cordoned off in the Middle East and sort of stopping there and, you know, in, in Medina or in Mecca, we're sort of missing the point, which that which is that alongside so many of our other monotheistic faiths, that this is a way of life that has impacted global humanity in dynamic ways that 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 we ought to to have a chance to further explore. And the Lilly Endowment opportunity allows for that. Thank you for joining us this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. If you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. We'll see you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.